the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Okay, you guys, so if you listened to the last episode, it was part one on this new governance disinformation board. It ended up being so long. There were so many questions. There's so much to cover, obviously, because this is one of the biggest stories ever. Um, I needed to cut it in two. So this is part two. We are picking up back where we left off, kind of talking about the historical context. And so I hope you guys learn a lot from this. But before we get into the episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to Zegger's Freedom Flags, my little woodworking shop. I have a workshop. If you want a flag, a wooden American flag or your state flag or we do the Gadsden flag, um, you can just get whatever the heck you want. Okay, I love custom orders. You can go to zeggersfreedomflags.shop, use code FREEDOM for free shipping, and I'll talk about it in the episode, but I do run Young Americans Against Socialism. It's my little passion project nonprofit where we interview survivors of communism. You can subscribe to us on YouTube because our first episode of the new series with killer, amazing interviews out of Dallas, Texas, is coming out in June. So go subscribe on YouTube or Rumble to see the full episodes when they are released. I think first one's June 12th, but we might change it, so don't kill me if I if I get that one wrong. Um, last thing, please subscribe to the podcast, give us five stars, and let me know that this is the best podcast you ever did here. Okay, let's get into the show. Now, I'm a big believer in the fact that I think we're going through a cultural revolution in America similar to that of China, where in China, I won't give you a whole history lesson here, but what happened is Mao Zedong, the communist dictator, came to power, and one of the things he had to do to fully grasp power, to gain full control of society and to bring it into his communist views and dream utopia land is he took all the young people out of school and he sent them to the countryside to be trained up, military, basically militarized. Um, and they were taught to defend this, this little book of his. It was called The Little Red Book. And it was written by Mao, and it had all of his, his views, all of his uh, perspectives written down in it, and it was printed in massive amounts, and he wanted everybody to read it. Now, What's cool is when I do the interviews with survivors from these countries, we do it at American Journey Experience in Dallas, and they have original copies of Mao's Little Red Book that are just sitting right behind set. And so there's a ton of artifacts on the set, but to be able to interview someone whose grandparents, for example, were killed in the Cultural Revolution, or even parents were killed in the Cultural Revolution, and then they escaped the country, and they're sitting right next to Mao's Little Red Books that really started that whole traumatic experience. It's a very powerful thing. And so in these books were the communist ideas of Mao Zedong, and he had all the young people read them, and, and he trained them up to be the Red Guard. So like I said, took them out of school, militarized them, trained them, and taught them to attack and eliminate, eliminate, kill anybody, punish anybody that would go against what was written in the book. Now, this was also considered to be the removal of the four olds. That's what the cultural revolution, the removal of the four olds. The four olds were culture, ideas, customs, and habits. 
it's very, very scary when you look into it. But basically, any aspect of the old world of China had to be eliminated. And people had to be kind of reborn and re-educated into this new way of life in this communist utopia. And I see that today in America where we... Our, our culture, ideas, customs, and habits are under attack, whether it's the, the statues, the founders' names, the, the, the founders' names in our schools, the curriculum, uh, the ideas of free speech and the Bill of Rights and our Constitution. Our culture, ideas, habits, and customs are being eliminated or at least turned into dangerous things by the radical left that need to be um, gotten rid of. Now, in China, they had the Red Guard, and they kind of did the dirty work. It was this youth movement, and Mao actually lost control of them. They ended up killing each other. Imagine this. They were so propagandized, so indoctrinated, that these youth groups started attacking each other and fighting each other, killing each other, accusing the other Red Guard groups of not caring enough about protecting the values of the Little Red Book, of committing wrong think themselves by not being passionate enough about these things. Children were taught to uh, report their parents if they even heard, overheard their parents saying bad things. Teachers, intellectuals, people that did art, anybody that did not comply or might have you know, discussed something like classical liberalism, which are basically the principles of the Bill of Rights of the U.S. Constitution, anybody that was caught even mentioning slight support or questioning the values in the Little Red Book were tortured, beaten, thrown in re-education prisons, or just eliminated in the sense of killed. And millions of people died in this. Now you guys might think, oh, this must be in like 1600s. No, you guys, Mao Zedong came to power in the mid-1900s, and the Cultural Revolution took place in the 60s, 1960s. So this is very, very recent. The China we're dealing with today is the same Chinese Communist Party we were dealing with just a handful of decades ago, and they have done such a good job of manipulating the media and taking control. They call it elite capture of Americans. So they want to capture our elites and bring them onto the Chinese Communist side, whether it's politicians or big businesses and their leaders or celebrities or athletes or members of the media. Okay, so if that wasn't freaky enough to hear about in the past, now I want to get you give you some chills up your spine. Let's listen to a clip. Um, I think this is from 2013. And you guys, this is our, our good friend Patrice Colors. Remember her? We uh, are trained Marxists. Yeah, that one. Um, so that was Patrice Colors, the co-founder of Black Lives Matter. Remember? We... Uh are trained Marxists. Yep, that is her talking about how her and the other founder are proud to be trained Marxists. And to give some context to this interview before I show you the next clip, which is going to make you want to pee your pants, um, she was on a leftist show, and the leftist host was saying, you know, people on our side are getting a little concerned because you guys have all this money and you have all this influence and you have all this attention, all this momentum, um, but are you truly rooted in core values that will drive this movement in a purposeful place and so like questioning how ideological she is and she consoles him and says don't worry at all don't worry at all we're actually very rooted we are actually trained marxists we know what we're doing um so that's why she was saying that sentence which makes it even creepier and that being said, I just told you all about Mao's Little Red Book, right? Well, there's also another clip that I want to share with you of Patrice Coolers. And uh, this time she's talking about a book that she wrote and how honored 
she was when a student on a, a place where she was giving a speech compared her book to Mao's Little Red Book. I kid you not. I wish I was kidding. I wish I was kidding. Okay, let's hear it. And I was speaking to this uh, young person from Arizona who's trying to fight uh, SB 1070. And I was, he, he, he grabbed a book and he said, it's like Mao's Red Book. And I was like, man, that's what I was thinking. And it was just really cool to hear him make that connection. And I was like, how about you buy like 10 to 15 of these books and you all have like a youth like organizing group where you talk about it and you really try to engage this. And we can just kind of, we need to build off of this. And so that leads me to um, a point that I, I actually wanted to kind of focus on today which is, um, I think I have a, a really important role in speaking to youth. I, I have, maybe it's because I came in the movement at 17 and a half, so I have like just a knack for knowing how to organize young people into this organization and kind of teach them this, this politic and then hear them now organize other people. Now, again, I don't want to make this a huge history lesson, but there's other groups, and this is with Young Americans Against Socialism, what I've learned so much, there's always a very passionate um, group put in charge by the new socialist and communist government that does the dirty work. And so Mao had his Red Guards, uh, Hugo Chavez had the Chavistas in Venezuela who kind of did the burning, the looting, the rioting of neighborhoods, the, the dirty work of carrying these things out. Uh, in Nicaragua, they had the Sandinistas. In um, the USSR, they had the KGB, and they had uh, little entities in each of the communist satellite countries that would do the thought control, the censorship, the fear tactics that would keep people controlled. So it's really fascinating to look into it, and it's very scary looking at how, okay, now so we are going to be yet another country that has the left slowly rise to power and and create something that enables political censorship and the control of thought and information. Okay, so another question I got is, is this the new fact checkers? How will this be regulated? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Okay, so you guys, this is where things are kind of unprecedented in the process of the left rising to power. America is unprecedented in the sense that usually when the left comes to power, they have to do things like seize the means of production, and that that step is called socialism. Um, socialism is just an economic system. So when, whenever you like see socialism and call it communism, or whenever you see socialism and and think it's just another tax or another government program or whatever it may be, it's really important for us to understand that socialism is an economic system where the government takes over private industry. It's called seizing the means of production, nationalizing industry, putting the control in the hands of the government instead of private citizens uh, that control private business. So very, very dangerous concept because if you think about it in the sense of control, they now control the providing of whatever good or service they just seized the means of production of. So, um, Again, very dangerous. Now, what's strange to me is that in America, it's almost like a lot of these big corporations and a lot of these companies, they didn't have to have the means of production seized by the government for them to start doing the dirty work of the people in power in our government. And so you see the rise of powerful people on the left, not only in our government using the government against us, whether it's it's with all these COVID mandates and restrictions and, and all these regulations that we've been seeing and all of this monitoring, the, the FBI sending 
agents after parents that are concerned and speaking at their school boards. Or if the salon woman opened her business a week early, then all of a sudden you had CPS arriving at her home because the, the government didn't have a way to actually hold her accountable. So they just tried to intimidate her with all of their bureaucratic offices like CPS, which is insane. Child Protective Services sent after a small business owner for daring to open up her business. It's crazy. It's tyrannical. But I always found it so interesting that you had all these private companies in America like Google and specifically the big tech companies, they didn't have to get the means of production seized. They didn't have to have the government step in and take control. They just willingly walk in lockstep with the radical leftists that are in government power. And so you have private companies like big tech companies working with, alongside, in bed with government actors, government politicians that have very bad intentions, and they're all working for that same cause, and I would argue that it's all against the average Americans and and core American principles. So you didn't have to have a government propaganda wing for a very long time in America, like most leftist countries have, because the, the private sector was just doing that willingly. It's crazy. And they put out the propaganda that helped the people in government get away with their crazy stuff. So this is like a big step here because it is the government now going a step further than just having the private companies do their dirty work. This is the government now saying, no, we need a taxpayer-funded entity that does the censorship control and information control. And that is why I'm really worried. So this disinformation board would be taking it a step further than just having big tech, you know, censor and and unfairly limit the reach of, or block uh, anybody who dares to commit wrong think, which is usually what happens just these days on social media. Um, this is the government taking it a step further with official government action. And this is really concerning that they want to target disinformation because, again, you guys, going back to that Joe Rogan clip, a lot of the things that these people have been calling disinformation, have been censoring, thinking that they're saving democracy, have turned out to be true. They were the wrong ones. It was the information that they claimed was disinformation that was actually accurate. And so so when we look at this, not only the things that Joe Rogan said, but also – One of the examples is the idea that COVID leaked from a Chinese lab. That was banned by Facebook, and then U.S. intelligence agencies found it to be one of the most potential scenarios for how COVID started. But they let the CCP get away with this. They enabled and empowered these dangerous people worldwide to get away with the truth, Um, even though communist China ended up disappearing and and eliminating. I don't really know what happened to the doctors. It's very sad. But any journalists and and doctors that tried to spread the information that this was probably from a lab in communist China, those Chinese doctors got disappeared. Do you know what it means to get disappeared? Yes, it's very sad. So example two, the New York Post, when they reported on the Hunter Biden laptop, it was blocked by Twitter. And it turned out about 9.4% of Biden voters in the 2020 election said that had they known that this is what was in the laptop, had they known about this situation and this financial scandal between foreign companies in China and Ukraine specifically, doing business with Hunter Biden and paying him, I mean, he got paid $80,000 or so per month by a Ukrainian energy company. 
Hunter Biden does not have the experience or the resume to deserve any of that other than being Joe Biden's son. And then those emails explain that Joe Biden got 10% of the cut of Hunter Biden's business deals with foreign companies. And now he's the president of the United States. 9.4% of those Biden voters from 2020 said they wouldn't have voted for him had they known this. And that would have flipped all six swing states that should have gone to Trump with this proper information. But you have people like Nina Jankowicz, put in charge of the disinformation board now who actively said this is a lie this laptop doesn't exist it's a trump campaign toy and we need to censor it so what else are they going to censor in the future if they claim that this accurate and serious story that could have changed a presidential election was all a lie what else are they going to do so let's get into how we can fix this a majority of your guys' questions were, how can we stop this? Is this constitutional? How can they even do this? And so on. Um, one of my friends, Rachel Bovard, I met her years ago, actually during my first ever speech in like 2019. I was invited to be on a panel in New Orleans, and she was on the panel with me. And she is one of the smartest people I've ever met. She's a DC person, if you know what I mean. Where like she knows how all of it works, the internal structures, the the political processes the legislative processes and it's just so impressive and so she's who i go to uh she has like an an email newsletter and stuff and she's on twitter but she explains and writes these things out of like okay so what's the actual political process to get something fixed whenever a problem arises and that's why i love her so rachel bovard she has an entire article about what the process would be to fix something like this governance disinformation board. And I just wanted to read it for you, uh, some of the pieces of it, because it is really helpful for us to understand how to move forward with this. She says, the government is going to decide what's true and what's false and punish disseminators accordingly. The bureaucrats who run the Department of Homeland Security, where this board will be housed, are going to be parsing fact from fiction, obviously to keep us all safe from the scourge of independent judgment and thought. (laughs) I forgot to warn you, she's quite funny. Um... She goes on to say, in 1793, enemies of the French state were carted off to the guillotine by Robespierre and his Committee on Public Safety during the Reign of Terror. Oh, very 1984, remember? So she says, in 2022, America, our Reign of Terror will apparently be overseen by a deranged woke theater kid. The gulags, but with jazz hands. The sheer absurdity and spectacle, however, shouldn't distract from the seriousness of what the Biden administration is attempting to undertake. The formation of a disinformation board with the Department of Homeland Security is a specific choice to place government speech regulations within the context of law enforcement. The speech place is now less metaphorical phrasing than actual reality. Jankowicz appears to support contextualizing speech into a law enforcement frame. In April, she told National Public Radio that law enforcement needs to do more about free speech absolutism on social media before speaking approvingly about a bill in the UK that would empower law enforcement to enforce speech codes. So the woman in charge of the disinformation board in America believes in using law enforcement to limit speech. Um, Okie dokie. She says, but the executive branch does not exist in a vacuum. The legislature has a say. Woohoo! Three branches of government for checks and balances. Let's see what she says. And the formation of a government speech board months before an election cycle and within days of Musk's free speech driven audacious bid for Twitter should prompt an urgent response. 
The most powerful weapon the legislature has is the power of the purse. Agencies cannot carry out their directives or initiate their programs without Congress first authorizing the money for them to do so. House Republicans are reportedly already drafting legislation to defund the formation and maintenance of the disinformation board. Okay, I'll take that. So we've got some people that are working right now to draft legislation that would get rid of this board. But their efforts are not likely to stand alone. Oh, but their efforts are not likely to get standalone traction in a democratically controlled House. Senators, however, have far more options. So this is looking like a Senate situation. Regardless of which party is in the majority, each senator has the power to make the body vote on any proposal of his choosing. Interesting. Senators can circumvent the committee process under the Senate's Rule 14 and place legislation directly onto the Senate's calendar, where they can then move to proceed to it. Provided there is no other business pending, that motion, known as a motion to proceed, automatically is made pending before the Senate and requires the Senate to vote. Unless cloture is filed, the vote is considered at a 51-vote threshold. In other words, Republican senators have an option their House colleagues do not. They can force every senator to be on record regarding the Biden administration's effort to police speech from the Department of Homeland Security. So they can they can force the senators to vote, which would expose them of do they support this or not. Creating a public record on such a controversial issue is important in and of itself, but it should also form the basis for both Senate and House Republicans to demand that the effort be defunded as part of the forthcoming omnibus spending legislation, which must be passed in the fall, unless it is replaced by a straight extension of funding known as a continuing resolution. These must-pass spending bills represent significant points of leverage, particularly for Senate Republicans whose votes are required for the passage. In the split Senate, where spending bills require 60 votes, 10 GOP votes are required. So you guys, right now the Senate is split half and half, and the left has to convince 10 senators to vote in support of their bill, their omnibus bill, that will lead. They, they get the say in it because they have like the... Kamala on their side, so they're technically a majority. Um, but they have to convince 10 GOP people to vote with them or else it's not getting passed, and this could be the bargaining chip or one of them. That these leverage points exist, however, does not always mean they're used. Earlier this year, Democrats passed a $1.5 trillion omnibus spending package with GOP votes, but with very few GOP wins beyond preserving a handful of policies that never appeared to be under serious threat. <sighs> We're so weak. But appropriators, the legislators tasked with drafting spending legislation, have already begun to meet to discuss the outlines of what the next package will look like. Now is the time for the GOP to make their red lines clear. From the border, to vaccine mandates, to defunding Biden's speech police, Republicans need to draw their lines now and refuse to provide votes for any funding legislation that includes these provisions. Bang. Okay, so so that's the thing. We have a weakness in the GOP of allowing ourselves to vote for these packages that we get no wins on that allow the left to just grow the size of government and we need to put our foot down there's a material difference between hot rhetoric and actual engagement in the policy process every republican rightly denouncing biden's speech police needs to back that opposition by using the tools available to him in the senate that means showing the public where democrats in particular stand on the issue by forcing a vote or several among Republicans in the House and Senate, it also means staring down the funding process and refusing to move until funding for this speech board and the disinformation agent who will run it is removed. Bang. Thank you, Rachel, for that. Um, 
you guys, so, so where does that leave us, us average people? If we aren't senators, we aren't members of the House, we can't force votes, we can't do certain things. But obviously we can certainly ask our representatives to care about these things. And then also in the big picture, what matters here? It matters who we send to Washington, D.C. Are they aware of the seriousness of these issues? I was looking at something. I think Charlie Kirk on the Charlie Kirk show, he said something of like, it's a disgrace that only 10% of our conservative representatives even know and could explain to you what the Great Reset is. When we have this massive globalist campaign where they want to make us permanent renters, own nothing, and be controlled by these bug-eating liberal woke people, that happen to be billionaires that enjoy their private planes, we need to be paying attention to this. And if we're sending people to D.C. that have their heads in the sand, and yeah, they're conservative, but they're pretty much just rhinos, and they have no awareness of how serious the rising totalitarianism is in this country, the rising threat of socialism, the rising threat of authoritarianism, where these leftists believe in force over choice, are they going to be able to properly defend us in this new arena of American politics? We need to be sending people that will absolutely hold others accountable once they're in Washington, D.C., and will be able to properly communicate and understand these threats. So it matters who we send to D.C. to begin with. Think of that when you're going through these primaries that are upcoming and you're hearing smooth talk from conservative rhinos in the primary elections. Um, The next is how we raise and educate our children. Are we teaching them to understand that society should have choice, that we were uh, put on this earth by God with, with natural rights, the laws of nature and nature's God? Man doesn't change. Technology changes and circumstances change, but human nature does not change. And humans have natural rights that we are born with, put on this earth for. They don't come from government. They come from God. And then our government, luckily, we were blessed to be here in this country our rights are protected not provided protected by our current system of government and if we don't properly pass that concept down to our children of how unique and special this country is because it protects people's rights god-given rights then we are going to lose and if we don't teach them to stand up and be proud to speak truth and be confident enough to do so even if it means being uncomfortable in certain situations we're going to continue to see the censorship of of today get worse and worse and worse the next thing that matters is the communication we have at a community level. These thought pleas, if you look at human history, when the left has come to power and they, they put out this totalitarian thought control and these these thought pleas and, and, and speech pleas and all this stuff, they had the 1984 style thought control. What matters is, is what happens at a community, family, and individual level. If you let the federal government thought police get between you and your neighbors, get between you and the people in your community, you don't have strong enough ties. We need to build stronger community ties that bring us together and allow us to communicate basic objective truths with each other. Even if we disagree on some issues, we need to be working as neighbors, community members, and allies on a local level so that these weird federal woke people and agents and and dangerous, dangerous ideologues cannot get between us and break those community ties. So how we communicate to each other, how we organize on a local community level matters. We cannot let the thought police divide us. Next question. Will it still be around when the GOP wins the presidency, and how can we weaponize it for ourselves? Guys, what? Who asked this? Okay, so there's two things here. First of all, this is not the role of government. As a a conservative, as an American, as just a human, this is not the role of government, and I don't care who is in charge, an office, an agency, a, a board like this, 
that controls thought, controls speech, and controls information, controls what is truth versus lie, should not exist. I don't care if I'm in in power. I will do everything I can, and this is what conservatives should be doing. We should be doing everything we can to prevent things like this from being created. And so if we got power, you guys, we should eliminate it immediately. Not only should we be working on it right now, but we should be considering when we get power, what can we do to make sure that something like this can never be created again? That is what I see my role in government. It's like, I really don't care at all about continuing this or the backlash that it may get from me saying this, but I think every time conservatives get power, especially in the federal government, we should go in with an axe and just chop things off. This is an overgrown tree that just needs to be hacked at until it's back to its basic intentions. Right now, the legislature, basically the problem is the founders gave the legislature certain powers, right? It's intended to have the power of the purse, and so it can decide what gets what money, and it also makes laws. And that's really supposed to be the most powerful branch because, and it's the largest section of the Constitution, because, you guys, of the three branches, it's the one that represents the people. It's it's the, the voices of the people, the representation of the population, both in the House and Senate. It was supposed to be able to control where money goes and what laws are made, what decisions are made. The problem is over the last over 100 years, we have been handing over legislative power of spending money and lawmaking, decision-making, but via like mandate and regulation, not actual law, into the hands of the executive branch. And I don't mean just the president. Like, yeah, the president has way too much power right now. But into these executive branch agencies that are not elected positions. And so people wonder, how did we get a Dr. Fauci? And how did he become the most uh, most paid bureaucrat who get I think he's like over $400,000 every year as a salary. He's the highest paid bureaucrat in American government. How do we get someone like him when he's been wrong so many times? First of all, it's impossible to fire a bureaucrat and the left never does it. The, the right, and they make it impossible for us to do this. But how do we get things like him? And then we find out that he also funded something like puppy torture. Well, it's because American taxpayer dollars used to have to just be allocated by the legislature, by votes of our representatives. And if we didn't like what they voted for, we could know about it, and then we could not elect them next time they are put into office. But what do we do when instead of doing something like an elected official votes to send American taxpayer dollars to torture puppies in some random country, the way we just found out last year about, Instead, we have the situation of elected representatives don't want the responsibility, and it's gotten so bloated, our federal government. It's gotten so bloated that now the legislature just votes to hand over massive amounts of taxpayer dollars allocated to every branch of the executive branch, every agency, including DHS. And then they say, well, we trust you as the experts to figure out what you want to do with the money and to make your own proper decisions of of, – rulemaking and mandate passing down regulation making. And so then you have bureaucrats like Fauci who aren't elected. We can't remove him just because we don't like his position. He tells us that he doesn't care about liberty. He cares about health and then ruins our lives for multiple years and sends money to torture puppies. So it's like it's so messy, but it's also so simple when you look at the fact that, oh, we've completely gone away from the intention of our founders to have the legislature handle these things. And so there's no accountability. That's how you end up also, not just with puppy torture, but with the DHS creating their own board to handle disinformation when it shouldn't get this kind of funding to begin with. 
So if we got into power and we, first of all, ended these kind of crazy things, removed funding from them and put protections in place to make sure that they can't be created again if the left ever gains power again. But we also took an axe to the executive branch tyrannical bureaucracy. We'd be in a much better place in this country. And you can ask many, many congressional people what they think needs to be done. And that will often be one of the first things they say, especially the Freedom Caucus. I had Paul Gosar on to Freedom Papers, the podcast I do for Turning Point, And that's what he said. And I completely agree with him. So will it still be around when the GOP wins the presidency and how can we weaponize it? No, we should eliminate it and then we should also eliminate a ton of other bureaucratic things and we should put protections in place to make sure that this stuff can never be created again. This is about reducing the size of the federal government so that we can get back to our founders' intentions. We are not going as low as them. Um, Next thing. What impact do you think this has on young Americans who are being exposed to this mess from Davis? Um, My big concern, especially during COVID, was that this could go one way or another. Uh, For a while, I felt very confident in the fact that there was a lot of potential for the young people that are brought of age right now to be very angry at authority. They had so much taken from them. And, And this is very first world problem, but like if you think about it, because of some crazy bureaucrats and because of communist china and because of our government people had to cancel their weddings their proms their high school graduations and then it slowly went from like canceling important one-time life events to then wait now we can't even go to our loved ones funerals and we can't visit our family members when they're in the hospital and we can't visit our our elderly loved ones that are in nursing homes we can't go to their funerals either but i mean men were not allowed into the room to watch their child being born and women had to give birth with masks on their face alone in a room with just the the medical staff because of covid that's traumatizing on its own and and if you break it down to like it just kept getting worse and worse where then it's like oh yeah and you're not just going to miss out on one little school experience like prom you're also not going to go to school for for two years and it's going to severely impact your mental health and you're not going to have sports you're not going to have any of the basic aspects of our society for multiple years good luck with it children are resilient i was thinking that perhaps as they came of age and started to learn the actual science and started to hear what happened during all of covid they would grow up to just absolutely hate authority and government and not trust them at all because they would say look what you did to us even the parents i mean resentment towards parents for uh, complying with the government and doing this to their kids I still think there's a chance if we properly communicate what happened to these kids, but at this point, I'm quite worried about the mental control that has been put onto them of doing things like having to wear a mask for years and just being told, well, it's for the good of others. We have indoctrinated all of these young kids in America to see this as the proper role of government. They were told, well, yeah, I mean, for the good of everybody else, we all have to do X, Y, Z. We all have to comply with X, Y, Z. And so many people are complacent. So many people are compliant with this. I'm really worried at this point that this is the message that we've taught young Americans. Not to distrust authority because they lie to you and they do this to you, but instead we've taught them to comply, to obey, and to view this as government's role in their lives. And if they haven't known freedom, which a lot of these young kids haven't before, they will never know what it is what it feels like to be free, what it feels like to not be told to do very intimate and basic things in your day-to-day life, to not have government inserted in your very private affairs. And they will not know that this concept of freedom and being able to make these basic decisions without government telling you what their their perspective is on it and what their preference is for what you do, they'll never know what it's like. And they'll never know that it is even something 
worth fighting for because they've never experienced it in their lives. I'm starting to get a little bit worried about that. Um, But not for my kids. My kids are going to be great. They're going to be very anti-authority. Except they'll respect me. Okay, I'll stop. Um, All right, next question. How do you fight against censorship in this age of controlling information and political thought? So on a micro level, we can all stop censoring ourselves. We can become publicly proud of our values. We can inspire other people to do the same with our courage. And if you think about it, I mean, you guys, most conservatives are mum. Most college students I know that are conservative write fake college papers to get good grades, to get out of being uh, persecuted by their professors because their professors give them bad grades when they just write basic conservative things. If we all spoke up just a wee bit more... We could inspire people to just get back to being normal in the sense of like, oh, wait, yeah, it's not crazy to say most of these things. We've just appeased the radical left and been scared of their cancel culture. That's the thing. Cancel culture, you guys. Mm -mm. It's not just cancel culture. It's straight up political totalitarianism where as soon as you commit wrong, think like think of a I see this a lot. Uh, Influencers, for example, if, if they find political tweets from the past of an influencer these days woke twitter will ruin their lives or at least try to right and so they'll try and get their brand deals taken away their business their livelihoods they will attack their family members they will want them removed from the platform it's not just cancel culture this is the behavior of totalitarians who cannot allow cannot imagine allowing their thought opponents they're people that disagree with them people that commit wrong think to be allowed in the public square they can't fathom it they don't want us to be in the public square they don't want us to have positions of power and they want to make our lives as difficult as possible if we are going to remain wrong thinking dissidents and so being more confident and standing up to these crazy people not apologizing to the mob is one really important way and i like uh babylon b Seth Dillon, he said something along the lines of like, I'm not going to censor myself from political platforms by removing myself or saying I'm going to, you know, be quiet on certain issues or just saying I'm going to stay on right wing things. I'm going to make those people censor me if they really want to. Like, I think he got banned for saying that that men are men, women are women. And he got banned from Twitter. But this was before when I had talked to him and he said something along the lines of like, I'm not going to make their lives easier by censoring myself. I'm going to make them censor me if they really are going to censor me for saying objective truth. And I love that concept. Make them censor you. Make them explain why they just did it and record them getting like document them saying it, getting their lips moving, explaining why they couldn't allow objective truth to be shared. It's fascinating when you make them explain themselves too. On a macro level, um, you can't let them get away with this. We need to elect people that will dismantle the tyrannical bureaucracy, that will hold these people accountable, and that understand, this is the thing, when you're an active citizen and voter and you're going to GOP primary debates and when you're at question and answer things and when you're communicating with candidates before they're put in office, we need to make sure that these are people that are rising to a higher level of politics where they understand American core principles are being under attack by the radical left, we're going through a cultural revolution, and we need people that are going to be absolute warriors for these ideas. Um, The other thing that I wanted to bring up is Ali Beth Stuckey had a really great thread recently about this idea of of censorship and of like just speaking truth and the power of that. And I loved it. She said, um, basically it was like in response to people that ask her what to say in certain situations. And one of those situations was an employee that said, my, my job is asking me to put my pronouns in my email signature or something. What do I say? Because I don't want to do it. 
So she said, it would be affirming the erroneous idea that gender is something that can be decided and declared rather than something that is biological and observable. So you don't do it. And if asked, you tell the truth. You either keep it simple with, quote, it is against my beliefs, or you can say something like, this is not something I'm comfortable with. You can let them know that their probing into why you've chosen not to do so is inappropriate and you'd like them to respect your beliefs. Or you can go all in and explain what gender is and how gender ideology is harmful. See if there are other coworkers who feel the same. Encourage them to resist along with you. If there's anything that will maintain our sanity in this postmodern age of delusion, it's at the very least refusing to lie. Ugh, I love that. If we all refused to lie, if we all told the truth and felt righteous in that, I think we'd all <laughs> feel a little bit more sane. So the next one says, well, I go to prison for speaking my honest opinion on Instagram from Stephen. Um, Stephen, I honestly don't know what they're going to do, but if you look at human history, when they create a disinformation board or a ministry of truth, there's often punishment, and they call it re-education. They call it re-education camps. Now, in China, the re-education camps are slave factory labor camp type things, and so basically, this is a fun fascinating story. The CCP incentivizes private companies to build their factories in China next to the slave re-education camps so that they can easily bust the people in the re-education camps into the factories where they could be forced to work. And then what do you know? They sell those products in America. Um, disgusting. I actually am having such a hard time. I have refused lately to buy anything that says made in China and it's impossible to buy things. So if you look at my podcast wall, on Instagram, sometimes I post it, but I can't even find picture frames these days that I can put um, my pictures in. And so I just ended up taping them to my wall because I still wanted to see the pictures. But it, finding things that are not made in China is quite the challenge. And I am making such an active effort to not do it at all. And so I keep trying to buy things and then I'm just like, well, I guess I'll, I'll go find it somewhere else. And then I end up just not buying anything. So maybe I'm saving a lot of money. Um, but my friend Kenny, he's a really great leathersmith, and we were kind of working together on, he reached out about, perhaps I want to start selling more leather goods through Zegger's Freedom Blacks, because a lot of people go to the site and want to buy, like, wooden flags and stuff, and he proposed a few different products, and so if you guys would like that, please let me know, because I'm considering ordering um, a few in bulk, or we might do some releases, like, more personal ones, but, like, 20 are available and so only 20 will be available and you kind of have to order um but i'm i'm curious on this of like what leather products you guys would like there's smaller things like key tags but there's also clutches and um wallets we could do like one with an american flag on it all this stuff so i think that's really interesting and i want to start supporting more products like that that maybe are a little bit pricier in the sense of like obviously it's not the cost of something you get at walmart because that's made with communist slave labor in re-education camps over there and then sold at a cheap price with no labor costs added in walmart um but instead it's something that not only is ethically made in america by a small businessman who's an amazing family man too but it's also something that will last for years. That's what I like about um, a lot of these products that I've been looking into lately. So let me know your feedback. Message me of like if you have a preference or anything or any ideas you'd like in those leather products because I'm definitely looking more into it. Um, but so back to the question, will I go to prison for speaking my honest opinion on Instagram? Um, so in China, if they find out that you are a wrong thinker, right, um, they will send you to a re-education camp. There's no there's no justification for it. Perhaps you have like a fake trial. It, there's no 
actual justice taking place in the system. But you're sent to the camp, and until you denounce whatever you were sent there to denounce, you will be tortured or sent to a slave camp. And this is one of the interviews we have coming out with my nonprofit, Young Americans Against Socialism. Um, Jennifer Zhang, just an amazing story. She was a member of Falun Gong, um, still is. It's kind of like a a way of life almost, like a life practice. And so it's not necessarily a religion. It's more of a, um, a life practice. And it poses a serious threat to the CCP because it gives people a belief in something greater than government. And so she was sent. She was tortured every day or sent to work in the slave camps. And it's it's just a horrible, horrible thing. And basically her story ends with explaining how she got out of the camp and she wanted to do it to – be able to tell the story of what was actually happening in these camps because right now Americans will say, oh, no, there's there's nothing going on in China, and mainstream media will say the same. Um, Jennifer explains that she decided to leave and fake denounce Falun Gong even though the first principle of Falun Gong is to never tell a lie. And so that's why it's so easy to get Falun Gong practice practicers into these re-education camps because it's in their nature to never lie and so when they are asked about it by the ccp they say yes i am a member and then they are immediately sent to the camps so it's a horrible situation jennifer is in this and after a while she decides it'd be better for me and for these people if i got out and told my story so she decides to tell the lie that she no longer believes in the practice and it is a very serious decision because then to all of the Falun Gong practice practicers who are in the camp still, she is now a traitor. She is now somebody who lied, which is against the concept that they all believe in. She is now a traitor who betrayed them and their values. And so she had to deal with that. Not only that, guess what? She thought she would be released, right? No, you remain there and you have to continually denounce your belief that you were reeducated on. Until they believe you. And then guess what her last thing was to do on the last day of her re-education camp experience? To truly test if she actually was re-educated. She was forced to sleep deprive because that was one of the main ways that they tortured people. She was forced to sleep deprive a young woman who was there for the same purpose and it was her first day in the camp. And so on Jennifer's last day, to prove she was re-educated, she was forced to torture a young woman who was just arriving at the camp to be re-educated. And, I mean, Jennifer cries quite a lot when she's telling the story, and, and I'm really excited for you guys to see it because it's just heart-wrenching, and it's such an important lesson. But that is re-education to these insane people. And what's crazy is you think you've like finally escaped, right? Jennifer's thinking, okay, I'm going to get out, I'm going to escape, and I'm going to write this book, and I'm going to tell my story, and I'm going to make sure everybody knows about it. Guess what the CCP did as soon as she was out of this re-education camp? They assigned her to go be a re-educator at other camps because now she was this perfect example of re-education. So then she had to go in hiding and escaped in a different way. So again, you've got to go subscribe to Young Americans Against Socialism um, to watch that story. And we have 15 of those similar stories coming out starting in mid-June. Um, but subscribe to us on, on YouTube and Rumble. The funny thing is, like, we're totally in trouble with big tech. And by that, I mean, like, YouTube and Facebook. Because when we post a story like that, they accuse us of, guess what, you guys? Guess what? Spreading misinformation. <laughs> it all comes full circle. Um but that's why we're a C3. I don't know if you guys knew that. We're a C3 because we get demonetized by big tech for putting our interviews with survivors from communist re-education camps onto 
their platforms, they they cite pro-China sources that claim we are spreading misinformation, disinformation, and and false information about China. So it's a really, really fascinating situation. Um, and I'm really excited for those stories to come out. Now, that being said, the government can't exactly hold us accountable. First of all, I have no idea what this this board is going to do. Technically, they don't have authority to do anything to us, um, but it is now put under the executive branch, which means you can execute the laws and um, use law enforcement to do so. And so look what they did with COVID, where it wasn't laws. You weren't breaking the law by opening your business one week early, but what did they do to people that did stuff like that? What do they do to wrong thinkers? I mean, you have conservatives that when they go through the TSA line in an airport will get pulled over and questioned about what they're doing. James O'Keefe, founder of Project Veritas, tried to buy a firearm, and the man who ran the small country town gun shop looked at him and said, oh, this is weird, I've never... I've never had this happen before. Um, you got rejected. And it was an unprecedented situation. Guess what happened? James got his lawyers and it turned out, turned out some random bureaucrat in the bureaucratic mess, jumbled mess, some faceless bureaucrat tagged his name and denied him his Second Amendment right to buy a firearm because of his politics. What else can they do if these faceless bureaucrats that can't be held accountable can do stuff like this? And then what if we needed to buy a firearm? What if we wanted to to carry out our basic God-given rights, given to us and protected then by the Constitution because some faceless bureaucrat in the executive branch can do that to us? It's disgusting. So on top of that, I always think of this, this mother. She was opening, I think this was in Oregon, was opening her small business one week before the government, the the CDC and her state said that it was proper for her to open her small business. And so she had said, listen, I'm a hairstylist. I own a salon. My hairstylists that work for me need to put food on the table and we are struggling. And so we need to open a week early because we literally need to put food on the table for our families at this point. Open it a week early. And what do you know? They didn't have a law she was breaking. So what did they do? They decided to shut down her utilities because technically they could find she was in violation of this mandate regulation. And so they could, since her building was on city property, city limits, they could reach out to the utilities and shut them off to the building. And then what else could they do to scare a little bit more because they can't throw her in jail over something like this? Oh, they they sent child protective services to her home to question her child. Is mommy scaring you and putting you at risk for opening her business a week early in COVID? Do you feel unsafe around mommy? Imagine the government being able to, maybe they didn't take her kid, but holy moly, if CPS showed up, over a political, political statement or action. I I can't even imagine putting my kids into the mix, threatening my kids. That's one way to shut people up, right? So so that's what they did. They, they didn't have a way to hold us accountable technically, but they used the creepy crawly arms of the bureaucracy to freak people out and to scare them into submission. So that's what's probably going to happen here. Um, think of how they enforce COVID. That's probably how they will also enforce this. So someone also said, 
How do we hold a conversation with someone while combating their incorrect information? I would say, you guys, the most effective way that works for me is to not treat them like a child, not treat them like an enemy, but instead have an actual conversation with them. Don't get heated. Don't become sassy. Don't become aggressive. But walk them through their perspective. Walk them through yours. When you let people on the left explain their reasoning and then you counter it, in a respectful way with what's actually happening, it is fascinating. I'll even say my grandma, my grandma didn't even know about the Hunter Biden laptop. And when I explained to her (laughs) the videos and the emails on there, she was shocked. They just had no idea, had never heard of it before. I mean, can you imagine? Like for me, I'm just so immersed in politics. I'm like, yeah, have you not seen the millions of emails and all of the the sexual videos? You haven't yet? Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's a, a world of awakening. So when people don't know some of this stuff, don't go at them as if they're traitors or or evil people on the other side. Think about it as like you're trying to walk through how they got to this conclusion and then add in what you know and the information in a healthy way, a healthy way of communication to bring them to their side. Because I think most of these people are, are potential allies, not, not permanent enemies. Um, next, what authority does an appointed board have? What is their impact on policy or law? Um, so we kind of addressed this earlier. You guys, this is under an executive branch agency, the Department of Homeland Security. Right now, the left claims that democracy is under attack. Kamala Harris, our VP, says that this is <laughs> that protecting democracy keeps her up at night and is the number one national security threat. So If you think about that, it makes a lot of sense why they're doing this. That being said, this is completely unconstitutional. And right now, the first thing that we need to do is make sure that it's not funded. So the senators have to step up for this. And then we have to make sure that we put people in office that understand the importance of fixing the tyrannical bureaucracy. Let's see. Clarify disinformation versus misinformation and why the choice was made to use the term disinformation. So misinformation is is the general spreading of wrong information. But disinformation is false information that is intended to mislead. So it's a subcategory of misinformation. Disinformation means that the people know it's wrong and are intentionally sharing it to distort and, and, and change and propagandize an issue. So, so that's where things are getting weird. They, they think that this is them fighting in, intentional wrong information being put out into the population. But it's rich because, I mean, the classic tactic of the left is to accuse your opponent of what you are doing. That is a Saul Alinsky tactic as well. Uh, Obama and Hillary Clinton consider themselves Alinskyites. If you guys haven't read Rules for Radicals, you need to read that book as well. Um, why is the left so determined to violate our God-given rights and the Constitution? You guys, they don't believe in either of them. Come on. Um, that's why. Do we have a republic anymore, especially with MTG on trial? So that's the thing. You have the rise of socialism, economic socialism with AOC and, and all these people that are saying that they want the Green New Deal. They want to seize the means of production. Capitalism is evil. All this stuff. Uh, redistribution, forced redistribution of wealth via the elimination of student loans. And then you have the rise of totalitarianism, which is thought control, information control, the elimination of anybody who dares to commit wrong think from the public square and positions of power. And then you also have authoritarianism, where look what they've done to force us into compliance instead of giving us choice the way we should in America over the last few years with COVID. 
Those are three main ways that the left rises to power and destroys a republic, but they're also indoctrinating our children. They're spreading propaganda throughout the media, and now they have this disinformation governance board. And I could go on and on, but they are proving they are, they're politicizing the military. They're weaponizing the bureaucracy against people, sending the FBI after concerned parents at school board meetings, and on and on and on. They are following the checklist of the rise of the radical left. And if we don't fix this, and I think this starts with fixing the way we raise and educate generations, we are really in for it. Um, so I think this is decades and decades of fixing that's going to be required, but I also think it's very possible. What would preserving the union of all 50 states require, in your opinion? <laughs> um, I think we need to dismantle the current education system. We need to make as many states as possible not dependent on the federal government for federal funds. We need to... I mean, guys, I could go on about this. Um, there's a million things that we could do, but I guess in this situation, we also need to, as a third option, there's many, a third thing would be to elect as many people as possible that will take funding power and decision-making power away from the executive branch, put it back into the legislature. And that requires electing people into the legislature that understand how important that is to do that and to focus on it instead of just getting pork for their districts to get re-elected. And then it also means getting a president in office that will slash his powers, that will get rid of his ability to do many things and do it in the name of preserving the republic. So those are just some things that came to mind from the beginning. But you guys, thank you for listening to this. Um, I know that was quite a lot. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. For, for rambling on, but this is a very important situation. This is yet another instance of the left checking off a very important check on how they come to power, how they gain power, how they maintain power, but let's take it away from them. There is a clear path to do this. I appreciate you guys listening. If you want to fight the cultural revolution and promote American ideas, customs, habits, all the good things, then you should get a Zegger's Freedom flag and put it in your beautiful home. Represent American pride. Protect these values. And be proud to show it, okay? Um, have a little dinner party or something and invite your liberal friends and, and have a Zegger's Freedom flag hanging there on the wall and be like, don't you think that's great? Let's come back together. Um, use code FREEDOM. That's eggersfreedomflags.shop. And go subscribe to Young Americans Against Socialism on YouTube and Rumble so you can see these great communism survivor interviews that are coming out in June. And, of course, please subscribe to this podcast. I would really appreciate it. And give us five stars and a worded review. It would be a huge help. Thank you. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.